Welcome to The Smug Buds, where we explain everything to the geese, and it's a podcast, and it's good, uh, like pretty good, when you consider that it's just made by two people who have like almost no real experience in entertainment or broadcasting, and like it's not like they're rich or anything, so they're just using the tools that they have at their disposal and that they can afford, and like... When you know all that, it's like, it's pretty decent and like actually listenable. My name is Will and <laughs> I'm joined by Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Will. How are you, my pod husband? I'm good, my pod wife. I'm, uh, I'm, I am being, uh, trying to be quiet again, uh, this week because oh, the baby is sleeping. The baby is sleeping, yes. Well, despite that, I have a question for you yes. that may inspire passionate feelings yes you saw a film called us last night yes what do you think of us okay so first i want to say i, I was um, petrified i <laughs> i was going to make a different joke which was that when we were watching it uh the opening credits started and i looked at candy and i said well this is us yeah <laughs> this is us a television show i have watched Almost all of. Or wow, I think I have I watched have, all of. I've watched none of it. You don't. You shouldn't. It just, it's just a cry fest. But Mandy Moore's yeah. good. And uh, Sterling K. Brown's good. Um, mm -hmm. What uh, what I think about us. Um, is it a perfect movie? <laughs> is is that an almost yes? It is a yes. I think it's oh, a wow. yes. Um, Kenny thinks it's the best horror movie he's ever seen. Wow. Like, hands down, the best horror movie he's ever seen. That's incredible. Um, and Kenny's really I've been trying to peer pressure him into doing um a pod a guest bud episode with us next mm -hmm. season that's either about Silent Hill or horror in general or you know however he wants to. He's like, but I'm not smug about it. I'm like, oh Kenny, man, you're so <laughs> freaking humble. Yeah. Um but yeah, I thought it was perfect I thought it was perfectly paced. Mm. Um one of Kenny's criticisms, which I'm sure he'll talk about in depth when I finally peer pressure him to be on the podcast of um horror is that it there are a lot of things that are categorized with horror that aren't horror horror like gore is not horror and yes. jump scares are yeah, not you, horror you've, yes we've addressed this and kenny's thoughts on it yeah and so this movie doesn't do those things at all um yeah. for you know for the most part um not as like a yeah. main tenant um i mean if you haven't seen us yet maybe skip ahead like a minute mm-hmm Okay, I've given them enough time. I mm. called it. Okay, yeah, I, uh huh. I just want to say I called it. Yeah, I fully called it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, that's great. You're there, you're you're a very smart movie viewer. I do have one deep cut reference I want to bring up, which other people have noticed, but I have not seen explicitly anybody make this particular connection. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you aware that when she's in the carnival at the beginning? Yeah. One of the carnival people is wearing a black flag t-shirt. I might have noticed it. Are you then aware that one of the twins, when they're on the beach, is wearing a black flag t-shirt? Uh, no. So one of the things that people have brought up here is that the black flag t-shirt is a, um, like a photo uh, reversed, I forget what that's called. A negative? A, a, ne a photo negative. Yeah. Um, one is white on black, one is black on white. Right. Um, I want to point out 
a time that Black Flag shows up in a way that could be meaningful. Because they could have chosen any band, right? Well, yes, but the part, yeah, part of the appeal of this movie is that nothing is just selected at random. Like yes. every piece of clothing, every background item, it's all designed to fit some sort of theme. Now, there is a time, there is a song, not a Black Flag song, okay. where um, Black Flag shows up that is summer oriented. Do you know what song this is? No, I, I know nothing about this band. It is, they're a punk band. It is the Boys of Summer uh-huh. by the Ataris, the Ataris cover of Boys of Summer. Yeah. So the, the, in, the, the, the Don Henley song. Yes. Yeah. The Don Henley song. So in the Don Henley version, he says, out on the road to say, today I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. In the Ataris version, because it came out in like, what, 2003 or something, it's I saw mm-hmm. a black flag sticker on a Cadillac. Sure. And then, of course, the lyrics after that are, a little voice inside my head said, don't look back. You can never look back. And then okay. there's the whole, the theme of the whole song is that um, these people will still be there when the boys of summer are gone. Uh huh. And I feel like this is a direct reference to okay. the themes of the song. Yeah. Or to the themes of the movie. Yes. That's my deep cut. I think that that's a great example of what makes this movie so great. Yeah. Is that it can inspire, uh, I mean, I want to say dementia. <laughs> <laughs> it can inspire, uh, uh, yes, that, that level of almost paranoid thinking. <laughs> No offense. No, no, it's fine. Um, I just really like also the Atari's version better than the Don Henley version. And I don't like the Atari's. That band is not great. One of them recently got in trouble for a real estate scheme. It was on NPR. I can't speak to any of this. (laughs) And he was such a... He was the bassist, I think. And he was so unimportant in the band that the only photo NPR had to put up of him was a picture where he was in the background. It was like, like the other, there was like a guitarist in the foreground and he was in the okay. background. Yeah. Makes um, you wonder why yeah, it was covered at all. That is all I have all. to say on us and also Black Flag and also the Ataris. Great. All right, Liz, uh, would you tell them what we're going to, what I'm going to talk about? So it's Will's. going to discuss. It's Will's week and Will's Will is week. going to talk about one of his most beloved cartoon television programs mm-hmm. and that is called the venture brothers that's correct it is another edition of will's problematic faves Doo-doo-doo. it is not the hank and dean show as he pointed out to me in a text message yeah we'll talk about that in a, a, a while but uh yeah this is uh will's problematic faves it's the show where we ask the question uh how okay is it to like this thing that i love is it right for the general public or is it uh, only likable by uh, mega privileged POS like myself? <laughs> uh, on this edition of Will's Problematic Faves, uh, it's the Venture Brothers. Uh, this is the first episode of my podcast about the Venture Brothers, and that <laughs> podcast is called Talk Samson. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of Talk Samson. <laughs> And if you're wondering, uh, how would I have done this bit if I had thought of it way sooner? And uh, what if I did it for uh, all of my episodes of the podcast up until now? We go like this. 
Um, uh, welcome to my podcast about Edgar Wright. It's called The Cornetto Conversations. <laughs> welcome to my uh, uh, my podcast about making a mix. It's called Mixed Notes. <laughs> welcome to my podcast about The Witness. It's called The Secret of Pod 40 Cast. Oh my God, Will. Welcome to my podcast about Rick and Morty. It's called Squanching Rick. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast about the Academy Awards. It's called The Oscars Grooch. <laughs> Speaking of deep cuts. Uh, welcome to my podcast about tabletop games. It's called Betrayal at Pod on the Cast. Oh, wow, dude. And finally, welcome to my podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's called You See I Am Talking MCU to You. So, everyone, I just want to let you know that Will showed me his notes for this episode. It was on a small <laughs> piece of note paper, but I'm now realizing that 50% of that note paper was just the things he read to you. No. <laughs> oh, it's, no, a separate, it's a separate they're piece of paper. <laughs> I truly thought that you were like, colors. I thought you were like, here are my notes. And then it was like half of the bullets were just your like puns. I came up with these things at different times. No. Okay, okay. I do, I do have a similarly small sheet of paper with my notes about uh, the Venture Brothers. So, way back in the first ever mailbag episode of the Smug Buds, uh, I promised that in the spirit of George Lucas writing the pre the Star Wars prequels, mm -hmm. that my episodes in this season of Smug Buds would rhyme with my episodes in the first season of the smug buds mm -hmm. and by that logic this episode would rhyme with my episode about rick and morty yes so to recap for anyone who didn't listen to that episode or anyone who's not familiar with rick and morty what's rick and morty well rick and morty <laughs> is a half hour cartoon show half hour with commercials Half Hour with Commercials, show on the uh, cartoon show on the Adult Swim Network, a network where it is weird for a show to be 30 minutes long with commercials. Most of the programming on Adult Swim is uh, 11 minutes uh, per episode. Uh, Rick and Morty is a sci-fi slash comedy show. Uh, it started out as a parody of some existing material, but then it quickly grew into something uh, much larger and more independent than that. Uh, there's a lot of dark humor in Rick and Morty, a lot of gallows humor. Make, it might make you think like this show is, is twisted, but then okay. every once in a while, there's a surprising amount of pathos, you know, and, mm -hmm. and care for the characters in Rick and Morty. Uh, Rick and Morty was created by uh, two white men. Surprise. And, and those uh, white men also uh, lend their voices to some important characters in the show. And uh, there you are, uh, if you're a Rick and Morty fan, you are lucky to get maybe like 10 new episodes every couple of years. And at the end of every episode, there is a uh, stinger uh, after the credits. Except, you see where I'm going with this? Oh, no. I Everything that I just said describes the Venture Brothers. Oh, yes. Okay, I did see where you're going with that. Yes. Everything that I just said about Rick and Morty is also true about a show called The Venture Brothers. Mm -hmm. So, if that's the center of the Venn diagram between these two shows that I have great fondness for, 
than what what's at the edges of the Venn diagram. So uh, I would say um, one significant thing is that Rick and Morty has like a writer's room in the way that I think most television shows do. Yeah. Uh, the Venture Brothers is really written by just the two guys who created it. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a real, um, I don't know what you would call that. but Humdinger. Like, yeah, sure, it's a real humdinger. I, was I just say, wanted like, to say humdinger. Don't we all? I was going to say like Passion Project or something like mm-hmm. that. They, they have like like more creative control than I than I think even the average like showrunner does. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Rick and Rick and Morty has like a like pretty honed like laser focus on the title characters and like the unit of their nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Um, the Venture Brothers has a nuclear family at the center of it, but. There are entire episodes that go by where you don't even see the titular Venture Brothers, whereas that has never happened on Rick and Morty. Like, yeah. it's always uh, every episode is about them. And as a note, I think that in Venture Brothers, there's not there's a nuclear family in that there's a core group, but it's not a nuclear family in the same way that it is in Rick and Morty, which is that there's yes. a mother, a father, a boy, and, a girl. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's a a. a traditional nu- nuclear family which is you know set up for you know how how weird things get uh and uh the um the i think I, in, and you can speak to these things because you've started watching the show and we'll get into that in a middle minute when i'm when i'm done with this list i, I think that the uh world of rick and morty is crueler <laughs> and yes. i think it's i think it's more nihilistic Whereas I think that uh, the Venture Brothers actually, um, I think that it actually exercises some like more genuine compassion for some of its characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not out to just like torture them <laughs> the way that I think Rick and Morty is like 99% of the time. Yeah, I'd agree uh, with that. But most importantly, Rick and Morty premiered in late. 2013 Mm -hmm. and the venture brothers first appeared in depending on whether you're going by the pilot or the actual premiere of season one in 2003 or 2004 yeah a whole decade before 10 years before rick and morty was on the air so i mean maybe you think that the way that i've compared them is like shallow and it's just like oh you could do this with any two shows like it's just a bunch of coincidence but if you believe me that they are like very similar, like they are like w- eating each other's lunch, like they are like working in each other's wheelhouse, <laughs> like Rick and Morty, like does not seem so special <laughs> when yeah. you consider that like the Venture Brothers has been doing Rick and Morty's shit for ten years before Rick and Morty existed, and. Um, if there's a point to this episode besides the point that I articulated when I was talking about it as a problematic fave, which is to ask you, like, how, you know, is it possible for you to enjoy this show? Or is it is it just me with my privilege blinders combined with my nostalgia blinders on enjoying the show? If there's another point to this episode, it is like 
credit where credit is due because Rick and Morty has achieved like near mainstream popularity. Yes. Like the like Rick and Morty merchandise is like an industry in and of itself. Oh it's yeah, I like, go to I go to Five Below and get Rick and Morty magnets. Yes, t-shirts and everything you can think of. Whereas uh, and and not only that, but like so so okay, and and the Venture Brothers in fifteen plus years has achieved like at best like cult status it mm-hmm. has like a solid cult following of which i have been a part from the beginning um and there is no chance that the creators of the venture brothers are going to be asked to uh write and animate the a couch gag for the simpsons mm-hmm. that lasts two minutes and crosses over the simpsons with their the universe of their show Right. Uh, the way that uh uh Justin Roiland did for for you know Rick and Morty on the Simpsons. Like that's yeah. that's a level that that uh, that the Venture Brothers is nowhere near reaching. So credit where credit is due uh by that I mean credit to the Venture Brothers. <laughs> so so okay so so let me get you more into this conversation. So so at my request you have started watching the Venture Brothers. Yes, and it's not really at your request. It's sort of at my request. Yes, because you wanted me to watch something first. Yes. And then we decided it would be fun. If I agreed to watch what you wanted me to watch, then you should have to watch something that I would recommend to you. That we'd trade, yeah. Trade a beloved series. Right. So I agreed to watch Steven Universe. Yes. Which I have begun to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And you agreed to watch The Venture Brothers, which I knew I was going to talk about this season. And I recommend to not everyone, but a lot of people. And also, they are not, they are sort of, those two shows are sort of kind of the same length. Yes, yes. We did some math and they were just about there. When you consider like length of episodes and combined with number of episodes yeah because steven steven universe the episodes are technically the 11 minute episodes but they aired two at a time in a half hour block so so there's like double the number of episodes but they're half the length yeah yeah so um what so okay so first of all how far are you into the venture brothers so i'm a couple of episodes into season three i think i'm like halfway through the third episode (laughs) okay great that's had, that's almost that's almost perfect for my okay. needs. Um, and what was the other thing I was gonna say about this? Oh yeah, I've been um I've been sort of barreling through it as best I could. I was hoping to get more done for this um episode, but yeah, I've I've watched that much of it. I also know that I said um well, first off, I want to say um. I will continue to watch it after this episode, one, because I promised you I would, but also because if it's something that's very important to you, I would like to know about it because we are friends. Thank you. Um, but also... But I, um, I, I also trust that you're going to give me your fair assessment... Yes. ...of, of whether um, you personally The other thing I will say here is it. that uh, Kenny... I said to Kenny, oh yeah, Will wants me to watch The Venture Brothers, and he was like, yeah and i was like have you watched it before and he was like yeah i've watched like 
some of it, but I never really liked it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I will say that I have watched it, but it hasn't, I have not endeared myself to it yet. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I want, so I want to talk about, is it you or is it me or is it some of both? Yeah. Say what you were going to say and like guide me somehow. (laughs) Okay. So this is what I was going to say. I read that it's the longest running series. Yes. That has the least amount of episodes. Yes. So you, did you read this on Wikipedia? I read that directly on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm glad you pointed that out because I I wanted to. But I bring uh, that up too because like, you know, you, I, when I texted you that I got to season three, you were like, the aspect ratio changes. And I, yes. I, I hadn't even noticed that, but I did notice that the quality, like part of the reason it was hard for me to watch the first two seasons is that the animation style is not one that I like love. Yes. But it it definitely got a lot more um fun for me to look at in season 3. Mhm. Um and I also see why you love this show so much. I wonder what my reaction to the show would be if I had watched it when I was 14. Right. Yeah, and without the context that it's like it's Will's show. Yeah. And so well, you That's not what's dis disendearing itself. Well, to me yes, about it. but you you say you can see like what I like about it. And oh, so yeah. you're, you're, you're watching it through that lens uh-huh. of like, what if I was Will? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just I, mean like technically I can see what it's doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. I, I mean, um, how, how do you think I should edit this together? I'm thinking, <laughs> of, I'm thinking like grabbing some like technical difficulties, like music. <laughs> And just like putting it in those breaks where just like a brief like so like rather than trying to keep up. I've kept totally silent in the time. So our internet was. I don't know if you're going to cut this out, but our internet, our Goslings, was going out a little bit. So I've moved from my bedroom into Mm -hmm. the dining room. Have you had? Have you been experienced? Like when when it's cutting out for us, like. I look down. I'm like, oh, I ha- I don't have an internet connection anymore. Are you having such a problem, or is it just my end? I I think it's just your end, Will. But yeah, well, okay. It was very gracious of you to move to a different place in your house, but that's like okay. But the- here's the thing: hmm. my computer always says that I have four bars, mm-hmm. but my phone recently has been losing internet in my bedroom. Yeah. Which indicates to me that even if it's showing me that I have full internet on my computer, I can't because if I'm yeah. completely losing the connection on my phone. So that's why I'm. I'm definitely losing internet. Uh, my computer is, and I've reset my router for a second time now, mm-hmm. and uh, it may just keep happening. And uh, he, but like, and so like, I don't know maybe this is a scrap and start over later situation but also i don't want to do that no i I texted you that this is my nightmare in more ways than one and one (laughs) is because you know internet keep cutting out is like the fear of like Mm -hmm. we do this podcast on skype so like that's always the fear that that's going to happen we've been Uh like pretty lucky it occasionally happens but we've been pretty lucky so far luckier than we've been this morning Mm -hmm. Um, but also it's my nightmare because like, I, I don't, I don't know if I should be going to bat for this show. 
And oh, Will. I feel boring. <laughs> well, Will, let me say this. Yeah. Did anybody, uh, well, and maybe you'll tell me yes, but was anybody on the, were either of the creators recently uh, accused of assaulting multiple underaged women? God, I haven't Googled their names, have they? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, like, I just had a whole episode on Brand New. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, that's fair. So, so, okay, I said that, okay, and also, like, now, what am I, what am I doing? I'm putting out a podcast where I say, like, I sound boring, I feel sorry for myself, like, <laughs> I don't want to do that either, but, like, what am I going to do, edit out that part? Like, well, that's... Well, I think okay. No, I'm not. Let's let me let me bolster you here for a second. Podcast okay. has been okay up to this point, right? <laughs> yes, Will. It's been great. I go I go through like I I go I really go through like I'm sincere when I say like welcome to the Smug Buds. It's a good podcast. <laughs> like I I so I vacillate between like I'm pretty proud of like I like listening to it. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, but I also vacillate towards like who who want like like why like it's very arrogant of me to think that anyone would want to listen to me talk about the Venture Brothers for well, any length of time. Okay, so there's a couple of things to say here. Well, the first yeah. is I want to listen to you talk about the Venture Brothers, and that's the point. I don't care if anyone else listens. Yes. The second thing is that the question of whether or not our art is conceded is the question of all artists. Yeah. Uh-huh. The third thing here is that it's not just that you're going to bat for the show. You're saying, why did this show mean something to me? Yeah. Right. Does it still mean the same thing to me? And, like... Is there a way that I can be both critical of it and still have it be beloved? And part of, and 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 that's all true. And also, I would add, it's it's important to me that this be a dialogue because if I I could just monologue about my feelings and thoughts about this show, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm trying to watch it from sort of an outsider's perspective and it is hard for me to do <laughs> and so <laughs> it's important that i get your thoughts and feelings about it as well because you have that different perspective and i am trying to watch and i'm going like okay like i can sort of i can recognize that like eh, maybe you're not supposed to make jokes about that but like o- overall like you said like okay like do i feel the same way about it now and it's like basically i do and like Uh i can't help but feel that way that like yeah this is good and this just like tickles me in all the right places and like pushes all the right buttons and it um, i love that like for you because with rick and morty yeah i mean i think we both agreed that there was something really special going on with rick and morty even if it sometimes was flawed as we are humans are flawed yes um but i love how your existential crisis mm-hmm. is coming with the venture brothers right um mere episodes after my existential crisis happened with brand new <laughs> okay i re- okay i really appreciate you saying that because that might motivate me to actually put out this episode of the podcast <laughs> if to frame it as like okay, okay all right this is an interesting narrative we rhyme we rhyme an interesting narrative is this is the season where you and I both have breakdowns <laughs> and this is my breakdown. This because makes well, also for the record, like if I was not like, let's say I was just going to put aside 
everything. Like, let's say I could somehow ignore everything that happens with Jesse Lacey. I fucking love Brand New. Their yeah. music is perfect. All I want to do is listen to them. Great. Goodbye. And I don't think I worded it that way on the podcast because mm-hmm. I was trying to be really careful about it. Yes. But, um, but yeah, that's what I want to do. I just want to listen to Brand New. They're my favorite band yeah. in my heart, in uh-huh. just only my heart, but not in my brain. Right. And just like the Venture Brothers is for you, apparently. We're talking about problematic faves here. And that's not just a bit <laughs> like it's, it, they are problematic and they are still going to be some of our favorites at the end of the day. And also just for the record, like part of the reason I'm having a breakdown is because like I have just had I think I've just had too much time to think about this mm. and either I need to prepare more, which is what <laughs> you do. And I need to like. I have this piece of paper, but as you asked me how many bullet points were on it, and I said, I haven't numbered them because I'm not as organized as you are. Uh-huh. Maybe I need to number them so that <laughs> I just have such a plan that I yeah. just go through it without second guessing myself. Yes. Um, or maybe I would second guess myself less if I prepared less. <laughs> and I was just having like a free form conversation. But as it is, I have this like literally some things on this piece of paper are written sideways because I like <laughs> ran out of room. Like it's, it's, uh, 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 it's, it's, it's a mess. And, th- and therefore like my mind is a mess. And so, okay, so, so I'm well, having a breakdown because I'm second guessing myself a lot. Let me give some context. Mm-hmm. So 2003, 2004, the show comes out. First yes. question, did you start yeah. watching it basically when it came out? Thank you for trying to get me on track. And that's a great way to do it because that is one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Because you would have been 12. 14. 14? <laughs> in 2004? I was born in 1990, Liz. Yes. In, oh, yeah. I guess I was 15 in 2004. It's it's a it's a nice round number, so it's very easy for me to remember what age I was in what years. You just it it's it's it, it could only be easier if I were born in the year two thousand. But I was I was again. I was born ten years prior, and so you know flashback cut to two thousand and four. Yes. I was fourteen. Yes. Uh, it was my freshman year of high school. I was going to a high school in Manhattan, even though I lived in Queens. And so I had a commute to and from high school. I rode the choo-choo. I rode the, I rode a bus, but I also rode the subway train. I took the sixth train from Midtown up to the Upper East Side where my high school was. And I remember before ever seeing the venture brothers i remember seeing the subway ads for the first That's season cool. of the venture well, brothers yeah so i and i re- i remember in my memory they are, they were like ubiquitous like i couldn't uh-huh. take the train without seeing this ad venture brothers coming whenever probably like fall or winter you know 2014 and uh this is how i remember 2014. the 2014 20, 2004. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That, that, that would have been embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Would have been more embarrassing if you hadn't corrected me. 2004. And I remember the image being uh, Brock Sampson, the mm-hmm. namesake of this podcast that's called Talk Sampson. Uh, it was an image of Brock uh, like wrestling an alligator or a yeah, crocodile. Uh-huh. And, the, and the tagline is cockpits exclamation point 
booby traps exclamation point ah genital jokes yes exactly and so you kind of get the whole tone of the show in that thing it is Mm -hmm. if it so i called it a sci-fi comedy before because i was talking about rick and morty and that's true but perhaps a slightly more accurate description it is it's it's a comedy slash adventure show yeah hence the name venture brothers because it's okay i also said now now is the time in the podcast i have no idea what time in the podcast (laughs) this is going to be i don't know how long this episode will be because we never stopped recording even when we were you were silent as our skype connection was severed yeah and i was going (laughs) except you know more explicit yeah yes yes, and and so okay so whatever time this is in the episode this is the time when i describe what the show is about (laughs) the pod the the venture brothers so if i i said that both venture brothers and rick and morty started out as parodies Mm -hmm. of of existing materials and we covered in the rick and morty episode that rick and morty are based on doc and marty from back to the future mm-hmm. the equivalent of that for the venture brothers do you know what it is you've been watching it it's um it's like oh god there's a specific name but it's like the old time so it, i feel like it's a couple of things actually true because i feel like hank and dean are supposed to be um mirrors for the hardy boys they are the hardy boys that's correct okay. but, but there's not also what I was another property that i feel like they actually bring in at one point in one of yes. the episodes it's so confusing i want to get into how confusing this show is and i love it Um, but it's definitely i guess i get which is to say like i don't think it's as direct as rick and morty i feel like it's more so an era i feel like it's parodying an era okay so but yes but that i mean rick and morty isn't that direct either like well no but there's like a one-to-one starting place i guess is what i mean i i think that i think that there is a one-to-one starting place so the so if if the one to one starting place for Rick and Morty is is Doc Brown and Marty McFly, but then you could watch the show and like never know that connection. Mm-hmm. If you watch the original opening title sequence for the Venture Brothers, it is unmistakably Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest, that's what yes. it is. It 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 it's it. You could call it a one to one for Johnny Quest. The only reason that you could say that it's not one to one is that it's called the Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. And there's two of them. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Quest didn't have a brother. He had a friend. <laughs> uh, so so the, 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 the one-to-one where you can see the comparison is you, you see them in the cockpit, the cockpit of, their, of their jet that mm-hmm. they fly around in. So yeah. Johnny Quest was an, is an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon it was like an adventure show johnny quest was the boy adventurer and he went on adventures with his father dr quest his friend haji their dog bandit and their sort of man (laughs) their their bodyguard race bannon Uh and the venture brothers is about instead of dr quest it's dr venture yep Instead of Race Bannon, it's Brock Sampson. Mm-hmm. And instead of Dr. Quest having a kid, Johnny, Dr. Venture has two twin boys, Hank and Dean Venture, the titular Venture brothers. So, um, and so, but as you said, 
they are also they are also the Hardy Boys. Hank and Dean yes. are are like based on the Hardy Boys. And the whole show is it's not just it it might have started out as like a one to one like oh look it it looks just like Johnny Quest. Mm-hmm. It is um more broadly it is like a parody of like the the world that Johnny Quest evokes and like that era of cartoons. Yeah. Right. And media. It pulls in all sorts of things and it parodies all sorts of things all at once. But it's also like its own independent, interesting thing in its own right, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, yes, to answer your question, I watched it from the beginning. Okay. And I and I was a fan pretty much from the beginning. And what a perfect show for a fourteen-year-old, a young fourteen-year-old yes. man. Yes, it's funny. Yep. It's got mm-hmm. body humor. It's also yep. got some sexiness. Yes. Uh, it's got uh quotable lines. Yep. It's got yeah. a lot of references. A lot of a lot, lot of, of that reference humor. In in uh, two thousand four, you solidly had Google, so you could yep. look mm-hmm. up things you didn't know. That's true, and uh, it also has a, a lot of violence, right? Yes, and a lot yeah. of violence. That's one of the hallmarks of the show, is that like in the first episode, like the coup de gras of I'm not counting the pilot here. I'm not thinking about the pilot, but yeah. season one, episode one, like the coup de gras of the episode is that Brock Sampson like goes on a killing spree just uh-huh. running over a bunch of henchmen with his car <laughs> right and there's like yeah. blood everywhere right yes so like that's going to be like one of the main features of the show basically that's like mm-hmm. they're spelling it out in the first episode um so all right what what where do we go from there what do we talk about next um should we talk about the um transition from season one to season two yeah and then after that we can talk about the transition from season two to season three which is a different kind of transition so Mm. another thing that they establish uh early on in their run is that uh they're they're gonna they're gonna end the season with like a big bang and like a cliff uh, like a cliffhanger so you know Maybe it's obvious. Maybe I should have said it at the top of the episode, but I'm sure as hell saying it now. Spoilers for the Venture Brothers. Yes. For the whole show. For the whole series. I'm going to try not to spoil anything Liz hasn't seen, but we're definitely going to talk about some of the stuff that Liz has seen. So Yeah, and you can spoil things I haven't seen because it's not like, I don't know. Yeah. you're it's you're not journey, that, right? You're not it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so how does season one end? <laughs> So season one ends, so there's like a bunch of different stuff happening, but the main thing that happens at the end of season one is uh, Hank and Dean die. The Venture Brothers are killed. Yes, they, is it, is it a car crash or are they run over by a car or are they, there's some sort of car involved. They happen to be on the road, but they're actually like shot but not with like bullets, with like a blaster, like a big blaster. Almost like Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, almost like a flamethrower or something like that. Because if so, you see them get like blasted off the road, but it's like a wide shot that pans out and then like a really pretty song plays over the credits. Yeah. And then there's always a stinger at the end of the credits. So, as if to say, 
hey, the cliffhanger is not you should be wondering how hurt they are or how, how you know, whether they're dead or not. The sti- in the stinger, you see very prominently in the foreground their charred bodies. Like, oh, yeah, where they're, like, definitely dead. It's not ambiguous. They are dead. So. And can I tell I, you the joke? Can I tell them, the, the our goslings, the joke that I told you that Kenny and I made when we were watching Buffy? Right. Yeah, go ahead. So. Spoilers for season five into season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. At the end of season five of Buffy, um, which was the season that Joss Whedon was not sure if he was going to make a, another season, yeah. Buffy right. dies. Yes. And But we knew when we were watching it for the first time in 2012 mm-hmm. that there were two more seasons two more. of Buffy. It's not and a tumor. So, what? No, no, sorry. Bad. Oh, it's Scott. not a tumor? I, that's a Scott Ackerman joke. I have to attribute that. It's not to oh. two more. <laughs> Sorry. So um, it, the, it ends and it shows Buffy's Gravestone. grave. And I looked at Kenny. Uh, yeah. And it says she saved the world a lot, which I saw yep. a woman with that tattoo of that once. Great. And I looked at Kenny and Kenny looked at me and he said, mm-hmm. I'm guessing she comes back. Right. Yeah, and so because... I texted you at the end of season one and I said, I'm guessing they come back. <laughs> and I was so happy you said that because it gave me the opportunity to try to create a little suspense for you. Because <laughs> Which you did. Buffy dies in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and that show is called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. But <laughs> Hank and Dean die and it's called the venture brothers it's not called the hank and dean show so <laughs> so this is a perfect setup to the i wanted to describe my experience of watching the show as it happened yes so i watched the first season as it aired they die i'm like that's crazy this is <laughs> awesome so, so what's going to happen next and i'm in suspense and then season uh-huh. 2 comes around this is where I want to pull in what it is, what it was like to watch things on television and, <laughs> and, and to have cable and in particular to watch things on Adult Swim. Have, have you ever watched Adult Swim? And I don't mean watch their programming. I mean, have no. you ever sat down and watched Adult Swim? Not for, I mean, okay, I take it back. Yes, I'm certain that I have um, on a summer night, but not yes. um, consistently. Not in, Not in a way time. that I have memory of it. Right. So, I mean, wh- what a time to be alive. I'm I'm always saying this. I'm, uh-huh. It's it's one of the few. I'm I'm not that much of a diehard Simpsons fan. It's one of the few moments from The Simpsons that I carry with me in the in my head all the time. Is is the is the mole man coming out of Apu's freezer, yeah. seeing a seeing a moon pie and saying, th- you know, thinking he's woken up in the future, and uh-huh. saying, "Moon pie, what a time to be alive." <laughs> it's such a good joke, and what a time to be alive! Um, it, it, to to be born in 1990, and to 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 get all these things, you know, as I'm growing up, like going through mm-hmm. the phases that like the internet will go through, and the television will go through, and and you know, streaming and Netflix and yada yada yada, and to be you know a preteen and a, Adult Swim is invented, and to be like i i have a memory the vaguest memory of of me being uh, uh, uh on 
the couch in my living room and I must have been, let's say, 12 or 13. And my mom is there also, but she has fallen asleep on the couch. (laughs) And so I have control of the television Mm -hmm. and I put on the Cartoon Network and it may have possibly been the first time that I saw Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like, that's the way that I remember it is like. I should not be watching this. Like, it's called Uh Adult Swim. I'm maybe 13 at the oldest. Uh My mom is asleep next to me. And just the weirdest thing that I've ever seen, and it's also kind of (laughs) naughty, is on Uh television. And it's like, it's, it's, it's one of like the primary sources for my brain, right? Yeah. Which is another thing that this podcast is about. It could be called primary sources because uh-huh. basically all that I want to talk about is the stuff that I've loved for long enough to to have these thoughts and feelings about it. Okay, so so I remember Adult Swim like blowing my mind, and I yeah. also I remember when uh, you know in, interspersed with the commercials were like the scenes of like a pool and like a lifeguard saying like you know no you know all kids out of the pool adult swim only like that right that okay used yes to i be. have seen that yeah so that was replaced with the bumpers that uh-huh. i think a lot of people would recognize you know cutting from show to commercial or 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 commercial to show Adult Swim will have these bumpers that are just white text on a black background. And you just, you hear us, you hear an interesting song and you just read the text and it's like uh-huh. a little, little joke. And uh, so here's why I bring up what it's like to watch Adult Swim and the bumpers. I remember watching season two, episode one on TV. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I DVR'd it. And I want to talk more about DVR, but maybe I was watching it live. And I remember the bumper before this episode. Season two. So, so it's a cliffhanger. It's been probably, it's been over a year, maybe almost two years since I saw that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. That cliffhanger is probably going to be resolved. Season two, episode one of <laughs> the Venture Brothers is called Powerless in the Face of Death, which is such a funny uh-huh. thing to call that episode. <laughs> And the bumper before the episode starts, I remember, the way I remember it, I don't remember it verbatim, I don't remember it very clearly, but the way I sort of remember it is they present, um, here are the leading fan theories on what's going to happen in the wake of the death of the Venture Brothers. And then they put, then they put a list on screen and I remember it being like seven items long. And I only remember like three or four of them, but it lists for you Uh like one, the Hank and Dean are going to be cloned. Two, Dr. Orpheus, who is a necromancer, has the power to bring them back to life. Three. You know, the boys uh, are going to be replaced by robots or they were robots all along, blah, blah, blah. One one Uh of the theories on the list is Hank and Dean stay dead and the title, The Venture Brothers, actually refers to Dr. Venture and his brother. Because the other thing that happens (laughs) in the season one finale is that Dr. Uh Venture gets a brother that he didn't know he had. Yes. 
And yes. in season two, episode one, they I love it so much. They I ugh, I can't help myself. They so brilliantly interweave like they take all the things that you think might happen and they sort of address all of them to the point where they uh -huh. even have Dr. Venture's long lost brother say to Dr. Venture, quote, we're the Venture brothers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I could eat that moment for breakfast, lunch and dinner and sustain myself. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I actually thought when I because, you know, I basically finished the season one and then started season two mm -hmm. right away. So I didn't have to wait months, yes. years, whatever. But I did think to myself, like, maybe the Venture Brothers now is just Dr. Venture and this tiny yes. man, this tiny calcified yes. baby that wasn't actually right. calcified. JJ. And that's another thing, by the way. Oh, my God. I could talk about one million different things. But why don't I just talk about the fact that, like, OK, you have the benefit of, like, you're you're sort of you're sort of binge watching the show you're binge yes. watching it in the sense that you are watching, I'm watching multiple episodes at a time and and you're you don't have to wait between seasons yes when you get to the end you'll have to wait just like i do because yes spoiler alert the show ain't over even though no. it premiered in 2004 that's that's okay i never addressed the fact that one of the other oh god one of the other things one of the other reasons i want to talk about this is mm -hmm. One of the questions that I'm interested in exploring is how do you how do you decide that something is your favorite? Oh, it's okay. not an important question, but it's uh, a question that comes up a lot in the course of your life. What's your favorite movie? Yeah. What's your favorite book? What's your favorite song? Who's your favorite band? Like we all consider these questions a lot. Well, and also, I just want to bring up that it's a complicated concept in and of itself because one, I think that it's oftentimes not true. Like, I feel like oftentimes yeah. there really isn't a favorite, mm -hmm. um, much like you don't really have a best friend a lot yeah. of times. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but like, we've been trying to teach Elliot. We've been like, Elliot, what's your favorite color? Mm. Right? That's a common question to ask a child. Definitely. And he doesn't have a concept of liking mm -hmm. one the most. Right. And we don't know how to teach that to him. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So I, I'm interested in this question because, yeah, as you know, I've, as we've covered, like I'm uh, my brain is hardwired to like categorize things. Mm -hmm. And so it just for like it's fun for me, like it's fun for me to come up with like the list of my favorite such and such and to know the answer to these questions. So, yeah, so you have a little rubric in your head. Yeah, exactly. So so and uh, yeah, the rubric is a good word. What's the rubric? And so I put in our Excel spreadsheet where we keep our ideas for episodes. One of the ideas uh -huh. I put was the Decemberists is my favorite band if you measure by like the quantity of their music. Yeah. That I have like they're the you might say that they're my favorite if you judge by they're the only band who whatever they put out I I buy it and I consume it. Like, yes. I can't really say that about other bands that I might like more. And I also put on the spreadsheet, I put, I guess the Venture Brothers is my favorite TV show if you measure by longevity and uh -huh. like the amount of time that it's been in my life because yes. it's still ongoing. I'm almost 30 <laughs> years old and I have been watching this show since I was 
a freshman in high school. You know, it's interesting when you point it out that way, because if you bring it up that way, then my favorite band is probably Roof Beams, which Mm. is just a man. His name's Nathan Robinson, who Mm. lives in D.C. now, who I've been listening to since I was 16. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, but when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, Roof Beams is my favorite band. And actually, Roof Beams is my favorite band. And and, and regardless of what rubric, bring whatever rubric you want to this question, but do you have a favorite television show? Like, could you answer that question? Because I would say... If I'm bringing the rubric of like how long it's been meaningful to me, then Venture Brothers yeah. is a very serious contender. But if I'm bringing a rubric, like say- the I do ru- have a favorite television show. If You're going to make a face when I say what it is. Okay, go ahead. It's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, no. Uh, hey, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a great answer. That's <laughs> terrific. Because, yeah, like- Sounds to me like you might say that you might make that judgment based on the rubric of like how much good was brought into the world by this television program. Yeah. Does this television program make me openly weep uh every time I watch it? Right. Yeah. So like if some, yeah, you say Mr. Rogers. Absolutely. If somebody said like Sesame Street was their favorite show, Mm -hmm. it's great. I worked for someone who said that uh, he learned uh, English by watching Sesame Street. Like, that's yeah, that's, that's a great story, right? So if that's yeah. your favorite show, more power to you. I love that. If, if I were bringing, say, like the criteria that I bring to films, to television mm-hmm. shows, then yeah. probably I would say, and this is one of the shows that Twitter has warned us about. We've been there. We talked about it with Rick and Morty. Um, but uh, I... I Breaking Bad, probably yep. my favorite television yep. show. If I'm judging by you know those criteria, it's very cinematic. Um, but uh, you know th- how long it's been in my life and how much joy it's brought me over those years. You got to got to give credit where credit's due to the Venture Brothers. Um, I, I had okay, so okay, yeah, I was I was going to say one of the million things I was going to say uh-huh. was and you are now going to say was um i was i said you're basically binge watching it and so you yes. you have the benefit of you don't have years to forget things that you've seen in previous seasons you can apply oh, them right. to current seasons so uh-huh. you will make connections that 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 other viewers have not mm-hmm. however i would argue that this show is so freaking complicated that mm-hmm. that that will not be nearly enough. Yeah, and, okay. And and that that you will make some of those connections, but but other connections you you no one could possibly unless they had like a like steel trap of like a photographic memory for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the average viewer like me like I got I got to rewatch it to make mm-hmm. so there there is there is okay there in the most recent season is season 7 i can literally and it and it's this is not a deep cut this is kind of obvious when you see it but i can literally point to a setup and payoff payoff where the setup is in season 1 and the payoff is in season 7 wow and i don't know and they probably didn't plan it that way but it works like they like uh-huh. as a closed loop like it works um 
so so a, a, a microcosm, a, a better example of this that you can uh, 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 understand that you 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 have the experience with is mm-hmm. is I remember rewatching season one and going like, oh my gosh, like there's so much foreshadowing for uh, Doctor Venture's brother who is revealed in the finale. Oh, there is. Dr. Venture has recurring dreams of oh. a fetus eating another fetus. Okay, yes. And uh-huh. each fetus has like a little beard like he does. <laughs> okay, and yeah, it turns uh-huh. out that that's basically what happened. Part of the finale is Doc get Doc is it, it, there's a medical emergency. They remove something from Doc's body and it turns out to be a living person. Right. And and it and it's a twin that he absorbed in the womb. Now, uh-huh. as I'm saying this, I realize I don't know if that's strictly accurate to say that he absorbed <laughs> it in the womb because we've never actually seen that. Like one of the things that's amazing about the show is how it plays with your assumptions. Uh-huh. And then it subverts them to be like, "Oh, right. you you we made you think it was like this all along, but we never said that." Yeah. And actually it's been like this all along. Mm-hmm. So for example, so in season two, episode one, it's revealed that not only are Hank and Dean going to return because they've been cloned, mm-hmm. it's revealed that they already were clones. And the mm-hmm. original Hank and Dean died quite a while ago. Yeah. And they've been cloned like a dozen times. Yeah. So so that's like a subversion of your assumption that like the the Hank and Dean you saw in season one were were born of mother, right? Right. It would also be an assumption uh, to think that Doctor Venture himself was born of mother. One mm-hmm. so okay. Um, being, you know, as always, I say I'm being pulled in a million different directions. Mm-hmm. Wh- um, why, why would anyone not like this show? Um, the number one reason I can think of is it's like I said of the movie Dunkirk in my letterbox review of the movie Dunkirk. It's not <laughs> one to watch if you want to see a woman. Yes, that makes sense. Dunkirk is a war movie. It makes a kind of sense in the Venture Brothers. Because we talked about the point of origin. We talked about, like, Johnny Quest and, like, adventure shows. Like, Mm -hmm. Johnny Quest didn't have a mom who was a star of that show. So, similarly, the Venture Brothers don't. Also, Dr. Venture doesn't have a mom. Like, everyone – there's, like, a lot of, like, fathers and sons. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of the absence of mothers. Yes. And that's, like, by design. Because it's, like – a parody of like a world where like there aren't mothers and it's, yeah, it's and a, it's a very androcentric it's a double-edged sword where right. um because history has been so centered yes. on the white male right. that when we do anything that is a period piece which yeah. this could be considered a sort of period piece in that sense because it's <laughs> parodying a period yeah of time, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to just be 
recreating these same things, which is why something like Hamilton Mm. is such a big fuck you to the establishment, right? Because it's saying, because Hamilton, the musical, Mm -hmm. is saying, yeah, we know that literally only white dudes and some white women were, like, part of this, but how about we just, like, forget about that? Mm -hmm. And it'll be better. (laughs) Right. And, and yes, so, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not only period pieces where you sort of recreate these uh, errors from history where, um, you know, women and minorities are, are, you know, totally disempowered. Um, uh, It's also like, if you do not just a period piece, but like a parody, like if you do like any sort of like, you know, if you do any sort of like a criticism of like, you know, you do like a thing that like, shows like the perils of the patriarchy it's like you're still going to have a bunch of male characters that instead of glorifying them you're you're undermining them well even just like the fact that in johnny quest there's that character did you say his name was haj haji haji haji's like indian indian and he shows up in the venture brothers he does too um i'm glad you brought this up but it's like so when he showed do you want me to explain it or do you want to? I don't know what you want to explain. I want to explain the fact that one of the most confusing things about the show is that all the cartoons exist in the world of the show. <laughs> so what I was gonna bring up was that like, okay, so you have this character that's a person of color. There's essentially been no people of color in the show before now. Right. But because the show is parodying Yes this time period in this time period these characters were still you know quote-unquote exotic they were Mm -hmm. still tokenized right and so now you have this character and instead of him being dr ventures like buddy he was his buddy when they were youths and now he's just been like kind of working in like a warehouse (laughs) okay you you are thinking of a different character oh i I, am i think you're thinking of hector hector which is their parody of haji Okay, that's but, what I'm talking about. But yeah. Haji also exists in the universe oh, oh. of the Venture Brothers. Okay, so, okay. So if you watch it, I if, was thinking of Hector. I was I was referring to the parody of Haji. If you watch the show long enough, all of the main characters from Johnny Quest show up in the Venture Brothers, okay. and it's not parodies of them. It's, it's supposed to be them <laughs> grown up because uh-huh. the show is supposed to take place basically in present day it's supposed to take place in the new millennium Uh but okay so not such a huge pill to swallow is you could articulate the basic premise as like it's a parody of johnny quest and all those old adventure shows and it's like what if those were happening today and like what if a boy adventurer grew up and he was like washed up and like mm-hmm. couldn't live up to the example of his father and he had his own kids and he was like torturing them by trying to like recreate his glory days. Like, okay, you can basically wrap your head around that. A, yeah. a much bigger pill to swallow <laughs> is a reality in this show that they never they never hold your hand. They never yes. hold your hand introducing you to this concept. And the concept is that Johnny Quest and many of those cartoons both happened in this yeah. world uh-huh. as real events 
end were cartoons that people watched in this show. (laughs) So the cart, it it is asking the question, what if the show Johnny Quest was a dramatization of the real lives of real people Uh in a world where all those things were possible? Uh-huh. That's why Johnny Quest shows up, Haji shows up, spoiler alert, Dr. Quest shows up, mm-hmm. Race Bannon shows up, I think, first out of all of them, and they immediately kill him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um so and, and 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 not only is Johnny Quest real and the cartoon exists in this world, but also Dr. Venture was a boy adventurer like the equivalent of Johnny Quest when he was a kid and he has all this residual trauma from that. Yeah. And also in this reality there was a cartoon show called The Rusty Venture Show that was based <laughs> right. on his life that right. people have seen. So they know him not only as a famous super scientist son but as the star quote unquote of that show. One thing yeah. one thing that they never address is if it's a cartoon in this cartoon and it's a dramatization of their lives, did they do all the voices? <laughs> like, did the real people that those cartoon characters are based on voice themselves? I feel like this and is a question so, we, should be do- we should be, like, consuming other materials to be really having this conversation. <laughs> they They have definitely thought about this because I sincerely believe they've thought of everything (laughs) who are they they are okay so who are okay the creators of rick and morty are two white men we talked about them they're dan Harmon and and justin Justin Roiland. roiland and they have kind of a cult of personality around them and dan Harmon has really cultivated that cult of personality by having a podcast named after himself called Harmon town there's also a feature length documentary about that podcast that documentary is also called Harmontown. There is a more subtle, less widespread sort of cult of personality around the creators of the Venture Brothers who are known to the world as Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. Mm-hmm. So clearly they are like crafting public personas for themselves yes. because those are not real names yes um what a, there's very little supplemental material to the venture brothers if you're a rick and morty fan you can play rick and morty video games and you can read rick and morty comic books there's very little of that for the venture brothers which i prefer yes but the good bo- some nice supplemental material to the venture brothers is watching video of these two doing convention panels uh-huh they do the best convention panels that i've ever seen oh wow convention panels are generally very boring i think one of the reasons that they're boring is that most convention panels are with the cast of the show mm-hmm. jackson public and doc hammer are partially the cast of the Venture Brothers. Right. They do a lot of the voices. Yeah. Jackson Public is the voice of Hank. Um, That's the biggest one. But they do a lot of the characters. Um, They don't do Dean, they don't do Brock, and they don't do Dr. Venture. But 
they do a lot of the others and and uh, a very common thing if you look at the credits which you have to because there's going to be a scene after the credits very common thing is when you see the voice cast you will see per episode i would say like 40 characters played by like six people that's a a very common thing so they are partially the cast but more importantly they're they're the writers and the creators and they have these public persona and doc hammer is like doc hammer is like what i would want to look like if i were really going to like queer myself a bit more oh really has he he dresses so well in these like pinstripe suits and he but his hair is like the really queer thing and he like paints his fingernails black and he has this sort of like what if a goth like grew up sort of look to him oh will i just had a vision of you starting to paint your nails and i think that you truly could pull that off if you desired to thank you that might inspire me um i for the record don't paint my nails because i find it to be tedious (laughs) don't think i haven't thought about it so so they they uh they are they are i think that they are naturally funny and so it is enjoyable to see them on con panels oh kenny he or i mean will sorry (laughs) oh will he has opposite aaron hansen hair yes right yep Light he's hair, like the photo street. negative of Aaron Hansen. Yes, he's like perhaps the uh, he's the tethered version of Aaron Hansen. Oh God. <laughs> okay, so um, so like an example of something that I learned from like one of their Comic Con or maybe Dragon Con panels is like I wanted to talk about like okay, they do a lot of the voices, but they also get great guest stars. Oh yeah. And so, like for example, because H. John Benjamin has been on. Very important to me. We've yes. talked about this. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Archer. He's Archer. I'm not the biggest fan of Bob's Burgers. He's Bob from Bob's Burgers. But going way back in the Adult Swim archives, I'm a huge fan of that show, Home Movies, and that and mm-hmm. he plays Coach McGurk, and that was my first exposure to John Benjamin. Very important. Brendan Small, who is the star and creator of Home Movies, um, he plays Brendan Small in, in Home Movies. Mm-hmm. Brendan Small um also shows up on the venture brothers kind of a lot he plays hector who we talked about before he plays he plays johnny quest um Mm -hmm. who's known as action johnny in the venture brothers but (laughs) they basically call him johnny quest they they uh dana i think his name is dana snyder he's the voice of master shake on aqua teen hunger force oh yeah Uh and he shows up as like a recurring guest star and they tell this story in one of the panels about how like uh uh, you know, he's a real pro. He came in with his like take on the character. Um, he was giving us options for like voice, different voices that he could do. And we were in the voiceover booth directing him and we just told him like, um, Master Shake will be fine. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> we, we just want to hear the voice of Master Shake, please. Um, and, and that's what he does. And it's on, you know, it's, it's very recognizably Master Shake. Mm-hmm. And that, that is so, that is a story that I love because it applies to other, like I can see how it applies to other guest stars. Yeah. So like the biggest guest stars that they've gotten. Um, this is uh, in an episode called Handsome Ransom. Have you seen this one yet? Um, if I have, I don't know it by name. I think this is, or I think this is early season four. So okay, then so no. Basically, the premise of the episode is um, 
you know, everybody makes jokes about uh, Batman and Robin, right? And their yes. relationship. So the premise of the episode is basically, what if Batman had an unhealthy obsession with Robin? But oh, okay. but instead of doing like a a version of Batman, like a dark brooding guy, they make their Batman analog like the opposite, the photo negative uh-huh. of Batman. So the character is Captain Sunshine. Oh, God. Okay. And very importantly, Captain Sunshine, who is, you know, the whole purpose of this character is to riff on the Batman-Robin relationship. Captain Mm -hmm. Sunshine is played by Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman from Batman the Animated Series. (laughs) Holy shit. And it's just him doing Bruce Wayne. Like, (laughs) it's, you know... No different take on the character. Like, it is recognizably like, that's Batman's voice. Uh-huh. And then, much more recently, I was elated. Because if the, if you know, best you get, you know, if the best you get is Kevin Conroy, that's great. Because this is a show that's, like, loaded with, like, superheroes and villains, right? And so, like, that's a huge get. Yeah. Have you watched Batman the Animated Series? Yeah, of course. And you know who plays the Joker? Mark Hamill. Right. They in got the, Mark Hamill? In the newest season of the Venture Brothers, they got Mark Hamill. And oh, for one episode Mark Hamill's great though. I'm sure I'm I'm sure he was like, Yeah, I'll do that. He plays multiple characters in this one uh-huh. episode of the Venture Brothers, and one of the characters he plays is called Presto Changeo, who is <laughs> a clown who can shapeshift. And it's oh just God. him doing the Joker. It's it's That's it's amazing. just the Joker again. <laughs> so so okay that's a good indication of like the joy that i can get from the show and and liz you say you're going to watch it to the end because Mm -hmm. it's important to me i appreciate that i i while we're talking about guest stars i can assure you your patience is going to be rewarded hang in there eventually you will hear you i bet i know janet varney Close. You're so close. Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins. You will hear Paul, Paul you're F. here on the podcast again. Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. I, I assume you're familiar at least a little bit, at least in concept, with the Thrilling Adventure Hour? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Jackson Public and Doc Hammer ran in the circle of the Thrilling Adventure Hour. So uh, although, see. unfortunately, I don't believe that they've gotten Janet Varney on the show, um, if you listen, I mean, if you watch it to season six and season seven, you will hear the likes of Paul F. Tompkins, mm-hmm. Paget Brewster, Paget. Hal, Hal Lublin, uh, mm-hmm. Mark Gagliardi, um, uh-huh. thrilling adventure hour connection people. Oh yeah. What's I, another reason people won't like the show? Will? well, okay. So I, I said not one to watch if you want to see a woman, another, yes. another way that I was going to possibly frame that is you you might if you watch enough of the show you might think like there are more funny um pedophiles than there are women mm-hmm. like yep. that's a well that they go to like more than once uh-huh. <laughs> is like the joke anyway you get it um also that thing you texted me about <laughs> Yeah, they say, I and I don't know if they've stopped doing this in later seasons as much. I hope that they did. It's but too they long do say, for me to do a total rewatch, so yeah, I, I, it, I don't think so. But I'm not sure. 
But they do, um, in, at least in the first two seasons, not every episode, but no. every so often do use the R word. Yeah, they say it. To en- mean stupid. Enough that you texted me. They sure do use that word a lot in this show. <laughs> and I had to be like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And so. And, and it's funny because, and, and the other thing I said to you almost immediately, which was that, you know, that word does show up once in Rick and Morty, right? Yes. And, and yes, and yeah, go ahead. But, you know, as much as we'd all like to be on top of things right away. Yes. 2003, 2004, 2005. Uh, I don't think it was as well known. Yes. That, hey, this is a word that's very harmful to people. And words can be very harmful to people without them being, uh, like, explicit racial slurs <laughs> yes and so yeah so when rick and morty used that word it was probably like 2016 or something like that mm-hmm. and <laughs> the reason that they i think they use it on only one episode and the moment where they use it is rick uses it the way you think he would and then morty says you're not supposed to say that and rick says what why and morty has an explanation that is reasonable that we can all understand and rick says says it again Um, yeah and and so it's a it's a commentary and one of the reasons we talked about rick and morty is that it's complicated whether you are supposed to root for rick or not exactly because i think that the show sort of has the pretense that we can get away with anything that we want because we acknowledge that Rick is a horrible monster. Mm -hmm. So he's like an anti-hero and we're not glorifying him. But at the same time, they're getting away with a naughty trick because I think they really are glorifying him because he's, you know, not only a genius, but like the most powerful being in the universe the multiverse basically hence the toxic masculinity in the fan base that has emerged uh somewhat prominently so in the venture brothers you have the excuse of okay they were writing this in the aughts rather than Mm -hmm. in the teens Mm -hmm. and i've been doing a selective rewatch where Mm -hmm. i'm rewatching episodes either because I feel like I need to refresh my memory or because I think I love this episode. I'd better rewatch it and make sure it's not horrible to say that I love this episode. Yeah. And I've seen the word come up and not to make excuses, but I do recognize that they're not putting it in the mouth of like a Rick. Like there's, there's no, I haven't seen a moment where it's like, I think the character who probably is like best and like most sympathetic consistently from like Mm -hmm. start to finish is Brock. Like, I think Brock is one of the best characters, not just in the show, but like, I love Brock as a character. Uh-huh. And um cuz he's like he's like this ultimate killing machine, right? But like 
Also, you can like see the softness that he has for Hank and Dean. Yeah, he does truly care about them. You can see that even really early. And yeah, really early. And it's like it's touching to me. Like it's really touching. Mm-hmm. I I would if 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 he said that word, then I would say like, "Oh, that's like Rick saying that word." Mhm. But instead, it's like, "Okay, I saw Hank use it kind of, like he uses half of it." Mhm. And it's like, "Okay, that's supposed to be the way that Hank talks cuz he's like 15." Mm-hmm. And I've seen villains use it. And it's like, yeah. okay, it's clear cut that like they are literally villains. Yeah. And that's not the same as Rick using it. Because Rick is like yeah. the anti-hero. I and I think that they do glorify him, even if they hide behind the excuse that they he's supposed to be a horrible monster. Um so that's a yeah, that's a good reason why it should the show might make you cringe, and therefore you might not like watching it in 2019, or at least the first two seasons. Again, I don't know. I haven't seen more than that, and I'm assuming that in the most recent season, somebody would have said, uh, "Can we maybe edit this out?" I I would guess so, probably. Um, I I I don't yeah I don't, I don't pay attention enough to know what they get away with on Adult Swim, but I I said that I was doing. A selective rewatch. I yes. will say I watched, I rewatched some of season three and I heard that word again. It was in the mouth of a villain. It was like a throwaway thing. Um, despite that, I'm going to say season three is my favorite. You are, you are okay, currently yeah. watching my favorite season. I said, okay. that, I said we would talk about the transition from season two to season three. Yes. You said the animation gets better. I said the aspect yes. ratio changes. Yes. The show has been in my life for so long. It premiered in 2004. There are two seasons before, like, every television was a high-definition television. Yeah. And so it, it, it the first two seasons have the old aspect ratio of a television mm-hmm. show, where it's a, yeah. a, basically a square. It's, it's, it's four square. by three. Yeah. And then high-def happens... And it goes mm-hmm. into the format that we all know. I think it's like 16 by 9. Yeah. Um, that's also important to this show because not only does it look better, but in addition to having a stinger at the end of every episode, they also have a cold open before yes. the theme song in each episode. And then the first two seasons, the the cold opens are in letterbox so that they're more mm-hmm. cinematic. So when you watch the beginning of each episode in the first two seasons, it looks even smaller in your high definition television because it has the aspect ratio of your television, but fit into the square of an old television. (laughs) So it's a small rectangle in a bigger rectangle. Uh And then it became like, oh, like all TV has this aspect ratio now. So they keep doing cold opens, but they abandon the letterbox thing because they can't yes. do it anymore because it's not different anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a cool, neat touch of the show that I really like is the letterboxing of the old cold opens. Yeah. Um. So season three, I said, is my favorite. I hey, will. Can I tell you something? Really yeah, quick? go ahead. 
Um, you describing that as letterboxing um, just made me understand where the name of the review site that you yeah. often write reviews is from. Just now, continue. Right. Letterboxed, yeah, that's right. It's not like a mailbox or something. Yeah, it's that's what I thought. It's aspect ratio talk. Did you uh, did you take any film classes at uh, SEO? I just took a cult film class, so. Mm. I learned about like Eraserhead and I learned about Divine, the um the drag yeah. queen. Did you watch Pink Flamingos? Watched uh part of Pink Flamingos, mm-hmm. watched um part of Heathers. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, in that class with our uh our uh friend of the pod, Kim. Mm-hmm. I think this is the um class in which this ties into our previous discussion about Tim Burton. Where yes. I I think one of you said to me, we watched part of Pee-wee's Big Adventure and that was supposed to represent Tim Burton's career. And that's such a weird choice. And yeah. both of you deny saying that to me. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure Kim said that to you because I don't think I would have said that. I think both of you have denied it. <laughs> um, and eventually a third person will and then a cock will crow. <laughs> and then Jesus Christ will be crucified. Um okay, so I uh, before I did any rewatching, like I said, I've had a lot of time to prepare for this, I think too much time. I made a list of my five favorite episodes of this show. Yes. And then I rewatched them to make sure mm-hmm. that I wouldn't seem horrible by saying this. Yes. And here's what changed. I have not only listed them, I've ranked them. The, oh, fi- okay. the five episodes are the same as they were before, but I've uh-huh. moved them around in the rankings. Okay, that makes sense. So here are my top five episodes of the Venture Brothers. Number one, season three, episode two, The Doctor is Sin. Uh-huh. I think you've just seen this episode? Yes, I have. It's the return of Dr. Henry Killinger uh-huh. and his magic murder bag. Uh-huh. Number two. Season 2, Episode 6, Victor Echo November, the episode where the Venture Brothers go on a double date. Yes, I love that episode. <laughs> that is an episode I really liked. That, it was so funny. That has, but that, that episode also has a lot of women in it. That's true. That's true. And uh, it it has a setup that is going to be paid off later in my list. Okay. Episode 3, Season 1. Episode five, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Magic. <laughs> this is uh, the introduction of Dr. Byron Orpheus, uh, the aforementioned necromancer. He is just a straight up parody of Dr. Strange from Marvel Comics. Uh-huh. Long before anyone in Gen Pop knew who Dr. Strange was, before right. I knew. One of my favorite characters, probably. Maybe my number one favorite character on the show. Uh, Number four in my list, season three, episode three, The Invisible Hand of Fate. Have you have you finished watching this episode yet? I don't think so. This is the origin of Billy Quizboy. Okay, yes. No, I haven't finished it yet. Um, When I first made this list, I put this at the top of the list. This was my number one. This has a payoff that the setup was in season two. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be binge watching or rewatching to recognize, oh my gosh, like 
they alluded to this and now it's happening because mm-hmm. this episode is like all flashback and at the double date uh in season two mm-hmm. in victor echo november the character phantom limb walks in and they have three three characters tell three different stories mm-hmm. of how phantom limb got the way he is so right, that yeah. his arms and legs are invisible uh-huh. and then in this episode the invisible hand of fate you see how it happened oh okay and when you compare how it happens in the flashbacks to the stories that were told in the double uh-huh. date episode you're like whoa <laughs> that's <laughs> so funny how similar they are yeah um and uh so i i this is on my top five and i thought that it was number one just like a week ago because this is this is the episode it's all flashbacks Hank and Dean don't appear in it at all. This is the episode that like solidified in my mind, like, oh, wow, they are going deep on the lore of characters who are not main characters on this show. And that's what I love. And this is a good moment for my hot take. This is, this is, do, 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 this is Will's hot take of the episode. (laughs) Was that supposed to be like, like a... Like a breaking news sound. Yeah, it was the first thing I thought of when I thought of like, what if we had a segment and the segment had a theme song? <laughs> okay, so, continue. So, Will's hot take. The Simpsons uh, started something, right? And what? And, yes. and they started. There's a town called Springfield, and Springfield is fully populated with mm-hmm. all these secondary and tertiary characters Mm -hmm. who we see coming up over and over again like running jokes Mm -hmm. that became like a phenomenon that like um parks and recreation tried to replicate it with pawnee Mm -hmm. and like scrubs does it with sacred heart hospital like all these Mm -hmm. little characters keep coming back over and over again venture brothers does that plus it becomes so fixated on those characters yeah (laughs) that it like puts the spotlight on them sometimes and so here's the hot take the 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 deep lore and world building that the venture brothers does is superior to uh game of thrones wow it's it's the same thing burned yeah Sizzling hot, I know. Get your hand <laughs> off that stove. Shit, dude, that's a claim, though. That's what Game of Thrones does, right? Like uh-huh. that's besides like the sex and the dragons. Like what's supposed to be special <laughs> about Game of Thrones is there's an entire world and there's all these storylines. Yes, and they don't touch each other until they do, and it's impossible to remember who all these characters are. Uh huh. Venture Brothers is pulling that off better than game of thrones okay they're doing the same thing but Uh it's cooler and more interesting and more well thought out and there are better payoffs to clearer setups um okay uh, finishing up my list yes fifth favorite episode season two episode five 20 years to midnight this is which one is that one this is the uh episode where uh 
uh, they get a, uh, a message from the past about a, uh, having to, uh, uh, an invention, the, the, an invention, the parts of which have been scattered across the globe and uh, they need to assemble uh-huh. it by midnight tonight. And this is the episode, um, this moved down on my list also. I was going to rank it higher. Heard that word a couple of times in this episode, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But one time, like one time, it's spoken by Professor Impossible, mm-hmm. who is definitely supposed to be horrible and mm-hmm. hateable. And by the way, is played in this episode by Stephen Colbert. So yes, yes, Stephen Colbert said that word for the Venture Brothers. <laughs> oh God, Stephen. Stephen, there's like I have a list of people that like. If you want to truly list. hashtag cancel Colbert. <laughs> isolate that clip from this no. episode of the venture brothers i have a list of like people who i will be truly surprised if i ever find out if they've like sexually assaulted somebody oh really colbert's on that list and the list is like mr rogers of and stephen colbert wow short list short list there might be a third person that i'm not thinking of right now but hmm. interesting all right well yeah he's a good catholic boy that's stephen colbert um, okay, so uh, the, the, uh, what's what's important and special to me about this episode of the Venture Brothers is that uh, it has um, the Grand Galactic Inquisitor. Right. One, uh-huh. Just one of the best jokes, I think, in the history of the series is the running joke of that giant guy from space who looks like he's kind of a robot shouting, ignore me. <laughs> he says it to a baby at one point. That's really yeah. funny. All right, so those are my top five episodes. You've seen almost all of them, even though I have, yeah. you have not finished watching season three. So you can tell Nostalgia Blinders may be on in full mm-hmm. here. I haven't included anything beyond season three. Yes. But I don't want you to think that I stopped loving the show. I was just rewatching some episodes from the latest season. And um, man, did they fill me up with joy i was just so yeah. excited to be rewatching them and and speaking of rewatching, i said i wanted to mention dvr again yeah so one of my other memories i associate with this show is dvring each episode mm-hmm. and i don't think that i've ever done this with another television show but there particularly in season three i think specifically in season three i would literally using dvr watch a new episode of the venture brothers and once it was over i would start it over oh well like, that's I, so will of you i literally watched the same half hour of television twice back to back and i did it be- not only because i enjoyed it so much but because this show is so dense yeah it's true it is so dense with references and callbacks and lore and characters who you should recognize if you're paying attention. And that episode I mentioned, The Invisible Hand of Fate, that's all flashbacks having to do with Billy Quizboy. By the way, that episode has the nozzle. The the, the, the nozzle is a very important joke in the history of the show, and that's why uh-huh. it has to make the list, is for the nozzle scene. Um, that I, I had to rewatch that episode immediately. I was like, that I definitely missed stuff there um it's a special show for that reason too um yeah i i have a few little few more little isolated things on here um do do you have anything else before we run out of time the one thing i want to say is um do you think that this just came up to me because you brought this up earlier but now that you said it with dvr 
Like, do you think that the advent of DVR is what allowed for these really dense, quick shows? Yes. Um, Because there's another show that came out in 2003 that's known for its really dense lore that Mm. we've referenced multiple times on the show already, on this podcast already. Do you know what show I'm talking about? Um, Oh, three. The the first three seasons came out starting in 2003, and then there was a break, and then there have been more episodes on Netflix. Uh, hmm. There's always money in this show, Will. Oh, Arrested Development. Yeah. Yes. Um, Because Arrested Development was a show that I watched multiple times Mm -hmm. on DVD. Yes. Um, I didn't actually watch it when it was airing. Um, but like I watched it just after it aired. So I think it, let's say it went from 2003 to 2005. It might have been a little bit later than that. I was watching it Mm -hmm. in 2006. Right. Um, And yeah, it has a lot of the same qualities that you're talking about here where it's so fast, it's so dense, and I don't – and there was a turn there, right? Those shows didn't always exist that way, and now I feel like that's a very common thing now. Exactly. Those shows were ahead of their time, and Arrested Development was punished for it because it was on Fox, Mm -hmm. and it couldn't reach a wide mainstream audience. It only could have the cult following that it had. Venture Brothers has never been punished for it because they're on cable. Right. And so the, it's sustainable on Adult Swim. And um, yeah, you're exactly right. They, 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 it's interesting that those shows came around before streaming on Netflix. Because yes. that's what we associate with it now. Now we can say like, okay, the narrative is basically binge watching exists today because uh-huh. we can stream things on the internet and that has changed the way we tell stories on television. Mm-hmm. Things are more serialized than they ever were as opposed to being episodic. The old yes. model was in television shows, you have to hit the reset button for every episode because because people might just be checking in. People will be incapable of watching every episode of your television Mm -hmm. show. Um, And uh, now it's streaming, but these shows, Arrested Development and Venture Brothers came before streaming. So how did they have the courage to do what they did? And I guess the answer is TiVo. I guess the answer is TiVo and seasons of television coming out on DVD. Like I, those, those were, those were new and fresh and emerging. And so they, they were, yeah, ahead of their time. They were like, okay, like this is possible. This is, it's possible to not only make a serialized show, which like, obviously those things existed. They're called like soap operas. Right. Yeah. But like, these are unique cases because they are, half hour comedies like yes the, the sitcom model is the total like hit the reset button it's got to be like the same every time and now the sitcom model is like i mean insufferable for a lot of people <laughs> right yeah you mean the old model the traditional model yeah mm-hmm. totally and there's all sorts of like ways that they're like trying to keep it sustainable and keep it alive and like make it fresh and like make it interesting again. Like, like half hour comedies where like, we're going to do it live. Like every episode is going to be live. Like, like Abby's. Attempt- yeah. Or, um, undateable was okay. not live in the beginning, but then they well, made and it I, that way. I actually, Abby's isn't live, but Abby's is filmed in front of a live studio audience. It's multicam. Right. 
outside. Yes, right. Which, by the way, I think that's already canceled, right? Oh, was it canceled? I think I, so. I know it was just the first season. I started watching it because um, Kimmy is on it, who was a late Spontanea Nation uh-huh. improviser who I really liked. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I occasionally chat with her on Instagram. This was a show starring Natalie Morales, and I think... Oh, yes, also her. I think it was created by Mike Schur, who created The Good Place and Mark Parks and Rec and, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I haven't watched it. I've just heard about it on podcasts. And um, yeah, there's there's a kind of like trying to breathe new life into the multicam, which is which, if you don't know, is is another word for the traditional model of sitcom that we were talking about, where it's like mm-hmm. sets where there's no fourth wall. And like there's yes, a Michael Schur was audience. one of the executive producers. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember uh, we talked about when Dan Harmon was fired from Community and he went on tour with his podcast and he talked very candidly about how he was supposed to be writing scripts that he wasn't writing. Yeah. I remember one of them was a multicam. Like he was he he wanted to crack the nut of like, how do we do uh, a, a multicam show for the for the modern era? And he, well, and he I never think, got that far. I, I think the thing is, is at some point, I think that. That style is going to come back and people are going to be like, whoa, look at this. And I think Abby's just tried a little bit too early. Interesting. Yeah. I think that they exist, but they're not popular. I Well, yes, but th- th- I think there's going to be one that's popular. And let me tell you mm. why. Because okay. this happens – this is a weem and wom of trends, right? This is like, mm. you know, people get really – I think about this a lot when I read Bon Appetit and like food trends. Like mm-hmm. people get tired of – like thin burgers. So all yeah. of a sudden for, you know, 15 years, all we can get is a thick burger. And I, as somebody who thought I liked burgers, was suddenly like not liking burgers more and more. And then I just realized because it's starting to come back again. Mm-hmm. No, what I want is a thin ass burger that's mm-hmm. been smashed to hell. You don't ask if you want it. You can't even wonder if it's well or un- or rare yeah. or whatever because it's too friggin' thin. Right. And then I want it with lettuce, and I want it to be iceberg lettuce, and I want it to be tomato, mm-hmm. and a toasted bun and mayonnaise. That is what I want. But yeah. that went out of vogue for a long time. Sure. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to come back, and I think there's going to be a twist on it. But uh, I And I don't know what that is yet. Interesting. Yeah, it's. I, I'm glad you said twist on it because, yeah, I do wonder if there is ever going to be another popular – multicam like is there going to be a twist on it or is it just going to be a throwback to like this is what you remember from your childhood or whatever yeah hey hey boomers hey even millennials who had shows like seinfeld and everybody Mm -hmm. loves raymond um this is this is like what you remember or even friends like there were a lot of millennials that watched friends definitely i was a little i was a little bit young for that but yeah 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 me too i was watching friends even though i was young for it Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I. But yeah. The the question is not only can a multicam achieve that, but like, will a television show ever be that popular again? Mm-hmm. Like any television show. Like the, there's yeah. there's there's nothing at that level anymore because there's so much content and so viewership yeah. is just spread thin between a bunch of different things that will never be as popular as like everyone is watching, you know, Seinfeld or who wants to be a millionaire or what have you. Yeah. Well, and TV's not free anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um. So your final things that you want to talk about. Final things. 
Um, one of the things that uh, so so I mentioned how confu- how deeply confusing the Venture Brothers can be. Yeah, and I also mentioned how they like to end their seasons with a big splash and a cliffhanger. So like you are in season three. Now you saw the cliffhanger that season two ends on. And then you saw how they addressed it in season three. Yeah. Episode one. Do you know, do do you know the answer to the question that the end of season two asked us? So, so season two ends with the monarch has married his girlfriend, Dr. Girlfriend. Yes. And then she says, I have a confession to make. And then before she can get it out, they do a wide shot. And then and he goes, what? And that's how it ends. Having watched season three, episode one, what did she say to him? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the beginning of season three is so confusing. I, yeah. I've, I've watched that episode so many times. And and my answer to that question is like it's headcanon, right? It's like uh-huh. there's I think that there's no clear answer. I think that they kind of make it clear, but like I think that I've had to fill it in with some headcanon to like get uh-huh. to the bottom of it. And there are some things that you are supposed to wonder about that are yeah. like series long mysteries. And I go apeshit for that stuff. Oh yeah. So the questions that you're supposed to be asking almost from the beginning, maybe the very beginning, are who are who are their who's their mother? Who, uh-huh. Who's who's Hank and Dean's mother? Who's Dr. Venture's mother? Uh-huh. What happened to Dr. Venture's father? Uh-huh. And why does the monarch hate Dr. Venture so much? Uh-huh. And I love the way that the show toys with you asking these questions yeah and like making you wonder about them and the cult following like it's a real cult following it's a real like fan theories galore kind of a thing last thing i'll say this is perhaps the most obscure thing that i had to say if you had a deep cut with that black flag reference talking about us here's my equivalent of that so one of the great highlights of season three that you haven't seen yet is an episode called Orb. And uh-huh. Orb has some serious flashbacks. Okay. And it flashbacks to it it flash ba- flashes back to a time when S- Colonel Venture, who I think is supposed to be Dr. Venture's grandfather, uh-huh. but maybe great grandfather, I can't remember, has his own bodyguard. And his bodyguard is a gentleman named Sandow. Uh-huh. I should say one of the things that they love to do that I also love is, oh God, I like I've barely talked about how they parody various things. Like, yeah, they parody a lot of cartoons. So they Scooby do like Scooby Doo comes up. I've seen the Scooby Doo one. They do like the horribly dark version of Scooby Doo, yes. where like. Shaggy is a drug addict and he's the only one who can hear Scooby talking and Mm -hmm. Scooby talks in like a devil voice, like telling him Mm -hmm. to kill people like Mm -hmm. that rips. It's really funny and it's really dark, but not only do they parody shows like that, they also, they pull real people into their world. So -hmm. there's this huge running thread with David Bowie where like David Bowie, the man is a character in the show. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and you've seen some of that already. Yeah. You, Sandow is the name of Colonel Venture's bodyguard. And Sandow was a real man, a German bodybuilder named Eugene Sandow, who I've just Googled. <laughs> and it says, Wikipedia says, Eugene Sandow was a German bodybuilder and showman. He was basically like the original, like, strong man. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, when I studied abroad, I met someone who was also coming from America whose last name was Sandow. Oh wow. And I that and it was familiar to me because of this obscure character from the Venture Brothers who was a real man. Yeah. And then I I brought it up and she was like, "Yeah, I'm a descendant of that guy." <gasps> That's I, a real deep cut, Will. That's good. I met a Sandow in real life. I'll stop talking now and uh, try to edit this down later to a not <laughs> horrible length. Um, thanks, Well, Well, Liz. I think I can tell you. I think it's okay that you like the show so much. That's so nice of you to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> I feel better and I'm going to rewatch more of it now. And I can't wait to uh, talk to you more about it as you watch more about it and learn yes, more of I'll, its twists and I'll turns. I'll keep you updated. I love it. I can't wait. Thanks, Liz. You're welcome, Will. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram at exclamate underscore on Twitter or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>